Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for me. Yep. The sun is shining. The birds are almost singing. The birds are able to go out and do lots of different things because lots of people aren't about for the birds to have their stuff getting interfered with, you know, because everybody else at the moment, they're potentially still in isolation. You could say that a lot of people, depending on their situation, they're under a little bit of a lock and key. Yeah, I'm going there. So I need an expert in that situation. I need somebody who's been involved in the lock and key situation. And I need somebody who's maybe once they get released, they're quite happy to just get out there and show their stuff, show their skills, show their personality, the type of person, the type of character that they can be. So there's only one thing you can do in this situation. From the Netflix series Lock and Key, I've got Jesse Camacho, Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thank you. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, man, that's that so funny. You probably hear me <laughs> snortling like a little bit, trying to like, I, turn my face away from the, turn my head away from the mic. <laughs> it's just, I, I just, you know, it just, it's just one of these things that kind of, it just looks like one of these things that kind of happens. Um, people will recognize, well, people won't recognize you unless I put a picture up and then they'll go, I recognize them. But, um, Lock I've, got that distingu- quite... I've got that pretty distinguishing high voice. Maybe they'll, they'll recognize my high-pitched voice from screaming <laughs> down in the caves. <laughs> go, He's that annoying one who kept screaming. Uh, we might have to kind of like see. I mean, well, let, okay, let's turn it one side. Is, do you do professional screaming services then? I mean, as part of your portfolio. I'm just because um, when I was speaking to um, – when I was speaking to Paula Deming um, – not too long ago, I looked through their professional kind of CV, and one of the things they talked about was balloon modeling and um, firearms. And I was just wondering, like, on your acting CV, do you have, like, a kind of a professional screaming, range of screaming, and is that something that you've practiced over over kind of like a period of time? That's a great really? question. I, I wouldn't say that there's the, – it's not um... – I don't have like I wouldn't say I'm an expert at screaming per se, but I do do some <laughs> voice work. So there is some like uh, <laughs> voice training and and I guess diaphragm prep. Uh, you know, especially when you do like a, this is a little inside scoop. When you do like a video game, sometimes yeah. you'll be invited in to do these things. They're called barks, which is just All for right. two hours straight. You literally just yell like get down, get down, get down in like four different ways. And, a bunch of those kind of, and then there's like different deaths. So there's like shot, yeah, shot, then stabbed, shot, stabbed, wow. set on fire, shot, stabbed, set on fire, fall down a cliff. So you're like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and like, you know, so I wouldn't say. So in Street Fighter, over, yeah. so in Street Fighter 2, when they were doing the echo thing and when you got mm-hmm. punched out and it went. Hua, 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 hua. Oh, yeah. 
that would that's professionally what they know as a bark. They would have yes, done exactly. That, there's there's a lot of those. So like it's like um, uh, small hurt impact, large hurt impact, which is like <laughs> or ha, ha. like yeah. Sorry, I'm like deafening the listeners, but uh, yeah. Is it? I'm just wondering if there's people that um, if there's people that like are known for doing that, and then what happens is you get them kind of sitting around, kind of you know at the co- at the coffee. In the local cafe with her other voiceover friends, kind of going, did you get the job then? It's like, nah, man. They took Jerry on instead. Jerry? Yeah. Did you hear he's getting garroted by a, a unicorn one? Yeah, I, I went for that one especially. Did you hear it? Yeah, it was just, I mean, that sounded like a horse. There's no way that was a unicorn kind of thing. There must be so. Because I think the thing about video games and stuff like that is there's, um, and even on animated stuff, there's kind of like set four or five kind of voice people that everybody go. You know, you're Nolan Norths mm-hmm. of this world. You know, everybody. You know, even Matt Mercer. Um, yeah, there's a lot of big for dogs his- for sure, uh, especially in that in that world. I think Montreal actually has a Montreal's where I'm from originally. I currently mm-hmm. live in Toronto, but I'm staying in Montreal during this kind of weird uh, weird mm-hmm. time. But yeah, in Montreal, there's there's quite a big voice market. But yeah, the more kind of specific you get, like when you start talking mm. about video games and all that mocap work, there are, yeah, the kind of Mount Rushmore of guys. And yeah, <laughs> people like Nolan North are right up there. I mean, he's just so good at it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how like uh, specific it gets in terms of like screams and stuff, but there's your <laughs> definitely your go-to video game actors uh, for sure. How did you how did you get involved in your craft? I mean, growing up, mm-hmm. um, where, I mean, where 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 did you whereabouts in I take it whereabouts in Canada did you grow up? So I grew up um, in it's, it's a place called the the West Island of Montreal, which is just mm-hmm. kind of a little island off Montreal. It's basically still part of it. It's like a short bridge mm-hmm. to get there. And uh, I grew up there until I was about ten, and then we moved downtown Montreal. And then uh, ten years ago or so, I moved to Toronto, but. Uh, where I got into acting, um, actually, my parents were both actors, fun fact. Uh, oh, really? Okay. So I kind of wanted to do it coming out of the womb. My parents were a little hesitant <laughs> at first. They're like, are you sure? There's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of no. Like, you got to have a pretty thick skin. And I was a bit of a sensitive yeah. kid. But I was like, no, I want to do it. And so when I was about eight, they were like, all right, let's, if you want to do it, let's give it a shot. And they've been, you know, really supportive. And now my sister's in it as well. So uh, I'm kind of an odd case. We're like a family of actors over here. But was it not the case then that kind of like while other people's parents kind of went to work on like a nine to five and they were home Saturdays and Sundays, you kind of growing up, it would have been a case of you were used to kind of like there wasn't necessarily such a thing as a nine to five. And then sometimes there would be like, a, you know, there, sometimes you'd see your, your parents for like weeks at a time while they were mm-hmm. waiting for the next gig to get lined up. And then other times they'd be gone for like a full day and coming back kind of kind of late so did you did you almost kind of get in not indoctrinated but were you used to kind of that kind of life anyway not kind of steady hours and people kind of things kind of change in between jobs yeah for sure i mean it's exactly like you said you know um mm-hmm. that's the thing with uh, with this industry is it's sort of feast or famine so mm-hmm. when let's say my dad would uh book a big job there would be you know sometimes it was a week sometimes it was a month sometimes it was two mm-hmm. where especially even if he was shooting in the city where he would be gone most of the day. But then, you know, depending on how little or how much production was in town, he would be home for, you know, a couple months. 
my, my, you know, my parents are very fortunate that they've, uh, and they're, they're talented as well. I don't want to take away from them, but, uh, that, uh, they've, they've been able to, you know, etch out a, a living on this. It's, it's not an easy, uh, it's not an easy career to make a living off of. And, uh, They've, they've done a, a really good job. They also do a lot of voice work, too. And my dad uh, dips his toes into directing cartoons and uh, directing mm-hmm. video games as well as a sort of uh, a gig to um, keep, you know, sometimes keep uh, finances coming in when uh, when film work dries up. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that we've been able to, to kind of uh, stay alive in, in that industry. And your, 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 um, your mom was doing some voices for one of my favorite animes ever which was samurai pizza cats oh i think i think (laughs) my dad did that too uh, samurai pizza cats yeah i remember them talking about that a lot it was like one series i think it like lasted a year and it was just like this it was just i'd never ever seen anything before because obviously um in scotland we didn't have a lot of exposure to kind of like the Japanese anime kind of culture, right. not and not for years, not until years later when people went, oh, you get kind of cartoons in Japan. It's like, yeah, you got to check this stuff out. So just to know that they're part of, or they were part of that voiceover stuff, just that just blows my mind and just makes me a very very happy happy person, kind of yeah, indeed. That's cool. I have to <laughs> let them know because uh, that's that. I feel like that's a that's a that's a deep grab. But it's funny because they mentioned that show a lot sometimes when talking about stuff they've done. Um, but uh, I'll definitely mention that. They'll be... Oh, it was just... It was, no, it was just... It was just... It was kind of... It blew my mind. You got to remember that at the time there was kind of like... Um, that Thundercats had come and gone and then you kind of mm-hmm. got like... Visionary was, Visionaries was a big thing as well. But then... Um, but then there was a lot of the stuff that was coming over from Saban. Who okay. I think... They did a lot of they did a lot of animation stuff, which was based in Japan, and then they just did the the voiceover work to kind of westernize it. So, but Samurai Pizza Cats just kind of stuck in my mind that they, you know, just even just now, kind of like what twenty five, thirty years later. I was going to say, like, yeah, it was and a I, while saw, ago. I just saw it. I was just like, whoa, that's like one of my. But but I know what shows. you mean. It, it kind of filled that void, like it filled a bit of a gap there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when. Did you um did you when you were growing up did you ever rebel against your parents then did you just like say right I've had enough of the two of you talking like that to me not respecting my space I am going to go to college and I'm going to become an accountant oh, and you know that would <laughs> make just, me so just... much more interesting No honestly <laughs> like my sister did a bit um, yeah. Sarah, Sarah, her name is, uh, she, for a while, it wasn't really a rebellion. Um, yeah. I think it was just more, she was saying like, I just, I, I think it was just wanting to do something different, but it wasn't done in any kind of, and also it would have been a pretty lackluster rebellion because she would have said it. And my parents were <laughs> like, Oh, great. Thank you for not becoming an actress. That's wonderful. We really appreciate it. Um, so it's almost then- like it would have been a pretty lame rebellion, but she did. She was the one who said for a while, like, no, I want to try yeah. doing other things. And then she just, she had a knack for it and she started doing school plays and you just saw it. Like, yeah. it was like, there's no way this is what you want to do. You know, we're like the Corleone yeah. family. Every time you think that the, we're out. They pull us back in. You know? <laughs> Cuddly. Uh, but no, me, like, it was It was the whole time. Like, I I was one of those kind of underachievers in high school where I wouldn't yeah. pay as much attention. Or I wasn't, like, a bad student. I wasn't a rebel. I was a pretty – I was really a square, to be honest. But uh, I just knew what I wanted to do. 
So when I was in math class, it was in the back of my head all the time. I was like, I don't need this. I just want to be on set. Like that's, you know, this is, yeah. Um, but you know, it turns out that you need those things for the part-time jobs you're going to have to get to pay the bills. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but yeah, no, I, it never occurred to me to be anything else. It really didn't. Did, do you find, did you, were you a little bit of a show off as a kid then? I, I was, mean, were you? I did was you like a, to en- yeah. entertain people? I did like to entertain people. If you watch uh, my home movies, uh, I'm very annoying because I'm always trying to huh. like, jump in front of the camera. Like, there's videos of like my sister's talent show or things like that. Where, well, maybe not a talent show, but where the video would be about my sister, and I'd be like running in front of the grabbing the camera and like, you know, film <laughs> me and always trying to entertain. And I've I've tampered that down a little bit. I think, you know, the older you get, the more you, you like, you, you want to save that stuff for work and then kind of enjoy your downtime. But, oh, yeah, 100%. I was, uh, especially, I would say until the age of, like, 12, right before I went into high school, I would say, I really wanted to be the center of attention. And what what kind of changed that high school then? I take it, because one thing I know about high school is becoming the center of attention. Mm-hmm isn't necessarily the place you want to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like, I, I guess, you know, I, I was, I've always been a big kid. I've always, you know, struggled mm. with my weight. And I think that, uh, mm. you know, there's something about that, uh, that kind of weird juxtaposition of like wanting to be in the spotlight. But when you struggle with like, with, you know, your, your, your self image, you also want to shy away from it. So it was that we, it's a really kind of an interesting, a uh, headspace to be in. But yeah, I mean, I think initially going into high school, I wanted to be the center of attention and then hmm. not bad. Like, I don't want to like, it's certainly not newsworthy headline stuff, but I was bullied a little bit. Again, it wasn't, yeah. bad. nobody beat me up. It wasn't like that. I wasn't like harassed, but you know, I was teased and stuff. And I think that kind of just took that wanting to always have people look at me thing kind of away. I still loved public speaking and I loved doing plays and I was a goof, but mm-hmm. I wasn't always trying to be the head of the group. And I, I just think that my uh, confidence got a little shaken, but again, really not in a horrible way, probably in a pretty healthy way uh, to kind of think twice before jumping in front of everything. Yeah. Were, um, did you then, did you, were you doing kind of like roles when you were in high school? Was there times that you were actually had to kind of take leave from your studies and from school to kind of get involved in kind of doing doing a gig or doing a role or anything like that? Yeah, several times. Um, there, There's two that really come to mind. When I was mm. in, I believe, grade nine, I left for, I think it was about two months to shoot a movie wow. in uh, Nova Scotia called Summerhood, which was super fun. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, you get tutored on set. And uh, so that one, I was gone for a little while and it ended up costing me because I ended up failing math that year and I had to do summer school. But... <sighs> In my mind, you Ouch. know, it was a small price to pay. I was like, all right, okay, fine. I got to go to summer school for an hour a day because I got to take two months mm-hmm. off school to go shoot this movie. Again, I was tutored, but I feel mm-hmm. onset tutoring is is good and you get some one-on-one attention, but it just yeah. doesn't compare, you know, uh, with, with actually being in school. And then the other time was uh, in my uh, graduating year. I had to leave mm-hmm. the first two months of the year. I was on a uh, television series called uh, Less Than Kind, uh, yeah. shot in Winnipeg, Canada. Uh, and I was sort of the, the center of that show. We actually went for four seasons, but the, our first season was uh, my senior year in high school. So I missed a chunk of my uh, of my graduating year. Uh, so yeah, so it's and, and also like little bit parts here and there. 
those are the biggest ones, but I'd also have like, uh, as I say, you know, like a couple days here and there, or if I had 10 days on a movie, you know, I, I'll, mm-hmm. I missed 10 days throughout three months of school, you know, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Those were the two big chunks that I missed. But I mean, less than kind, right? As you said, it ran for four seasons. Did you see a change to kind of like your life? I mean, what did you become? Were you kind of then becoming kind of part of the family business? Because I take it your mum would have been working away, your dad would have been working away, and then I'm guessing that you're, you know, doing this job. You're not doing it for free. You're kind of getting mm-hmm. looked after, and you're kind of getting paid. So yeah. was that? Did it come? I mean. Because people say, oh, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to just be, but I'd love to just be doing this kind of thing. I'd love to be acting. I'd love to be in the stage. But then the actual reality of kind of it, then actually saying, well, this is my job. I can't, if I'm having a, if I'm having a bad day and I'm shooting a scene where I'm, it's meant to be the happiest day because it's my birthday party. I just need to switch it on and get professional and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So was there kind of like, was there a switch on there when, when you, you started on less and kind of where you kind of went, wow, this is, this is it. This is the real deal. This is actually, you know, this is me kind of turning this into kind of like a career here. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that the actual, the switch for that came a little earlier. I did a movie called Mm. uh, 12 and holding um, between my, uh, between elementary school and high school that shot actually Mm -hmm. in uh, New Jersey, in New Jersey, uh, in the States. And Mm -hmm. I was one of the three kind of, it was really about three kids. uh, And I was one of the three kids and that was when I went, like, it was my first, like, kind of big job where I was, you know, uh, I was there throughout the whole shoot. Um, you know, I, I was I was one of the leads of the film. And I remember that being the yeah. time where I was like, you know, this is really serious. But on, on your other point, which is interesting, was I found it easier to make those switches when I was a kid. Like, if I was, like, yeah. not having a good day or whatever it was, I, I found it easier to turn it on when I was a kid. When I was doing Less Than Kind, I was... Uh, in that kind of fun, like, I think I started on the show when I was 17, might have been oh. 18, uh, 17, 18, and I, we wrapped when I was 22, I want to say. So, you know, during that, you know, uh, I, 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 I know I was always professional and I was always easy to work with, but, you know, yeah. I was also like, you know, really kind of young and really easy for me to like you know have crushes and fall in love with people that were coming on and guest starring on the show mm-hmm. and being like yeah. really sad when you know the i would have like young heartbreak which was hilarious because the heartbreak was usually so one-sided because the other person didn't even know i liked them <laughs> uh, and i would be like like moping in the corner and wendell meldrum who played my mom on the show an amazing woman fun fact uh, if, if anybody's a seinfeld fan uh, Wendell played the low talker on Seinfeld who makes Jerry Seinfeld wear the, the puffy pirate shirt. Anyway, yeah. but, uh, Wendell would come up to me and be like, it's okay. Like, don't worry. You know, maybe she likes you back. And I'd be like, okay. And they make an action. I'd have to be all happy. But I was such a baby. Like I think back on it now, I was like, really? You were upset about that? Like, so uh, I feel like that got harder. I'm, I can do it now, but there was that weird kind of, you yeah. know, when you're, you know, under 20 years old then your problems seem like they're the biggest in the world and they're really not uh, see yeah. um when you're again in the end i mean one of the things people talk about well in the industry the gossip merchants and things like that is they're talking about well you know you can't move around in the acting circles you know too much because you'll just keep 
bumping into bowls of cocaine that's everywhere and there's all night parties and there's like drink and and drugs and everybody's sleeping with each other. Yeah, did that kind of happen or is that just kind of like one of these things that people like to maybe think that happens? Or did your parents kind of, um, were they were they quite protective? Did they try and kind of keep you away from that, that kind know, of nonsense as well? Again, you know, I'm sort of a, a unique case in how boring I am. I, I, this, this answer will get more interesting, I promise. Um, but no, I'll judge parents, you on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My parents um, were, I think, pretty standard. You know, it was always hmm. as long as you're being safe. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very close with my, with my family, with my parents especially. Like, yeah. uh, that, that surprises a lot of people. I speak to my parents basically every day. We're very, very tight. And I just hmm. think it was a result of that closeness that I never really wanted to rebel or, you know, do anything crazy. So I will say two things are true at once and people might believe me. They might not. I personally never got sucked into that kind of, uh, you know, going for several trips to the bathroom to go skiing, quote unquote. Um, but, uh, I, it's, it's, it's a real thing. I know that. And I've been to parties where it's happening. Uh, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been offered many times and, uh, oh yeah, it's a hundred percent real. I just, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I'm someone who has suffered a lot from anxiety. So the yeah. idea of me getting more in my head on a substance, I was like, oh God, <laughs> like this just feels like a recipe for disaster. Um, but you know, not, to, and not to encourage anyone to do it, but I've been at really, really fun parties where people are hopping and I'm like, Hey man, yeah. you know, good for you. You're like, you're having fun. And you know, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a real thing for sure. I just, uh, it's, it's never been appealing to me, I think in a weird way because of my anxiety, you know, they say anxiety is a sucks and it's a negative, but for me, it's probably actually been, uh, a kind of a protection in a weird way. I do enjoy drinking though. I, uh, I have been known <laughs> to, uh, have a drink or two in my time as, uh, anyone who, uh, was at the lock and key premiere can, uh, very much attest to it. <laughs> So that's my well, indulgence. I, uh, an open bar. I, I, when people, yeah, when people always talk about that, I'm always reminded of the scene in Airplane where um, <laughs> they said, "You like?" They say to the woman on the plane, "Do you want a drink?" Just to calm your nerves, she goes, "Certainly not." <laughs> and then she turns around and she starts taking the lines of cocaine. And I'm just like, that, that was the like, original, okay. right? The original one, not the second one. That was it. Yeah, the original. Okay. Yeah, the original, and still the the completely politically. Um, Uncorre- uh, incorrect um yeah film ever I but it's still got one of the most it's got one of my most favorite lines in a film ever which was like just everything that leslie nielsen did just oh, he was anything at all he was just amazing when he said you know and we we're having problems with the plane he says yes i know I, I came as soon as i heard and even just now i just think that's just it's it's he's it's these deadpan kind of delivery kind of which is always Kind of good. Um, when you're approaching a role, is there uh, is there some roles that you find easier to do than others? I mean, would you consider yourself um, would you consider yourself a fairly kind of happy go lucky kind of friendly type role actor, mm-hmm. or you know, or would you prefer something to kind of be a bit more serious to kind of get your get your kind of your teeth round? I think it's it's a mixture of both, right? Obviously, uh, you know, the saying is variety is the spice of life, which I, I agree mm. with. I definitely do think some are, I wouldn't even necessarily say easier. I would just think that they're, I guess, no, I guess easier is the right word. I don't know what I was going yeah. with. That. 
Um, like, for instance, uh, somebody like Sheldon, the character I played on Less Than Kind, or even Doug on Walking Key are actually quite different, yeah. but they were both easier for me because they were kind of different aspects of my personality. Uh, mm -hmm. Sheldon, you know, I think is sort of the, I, I would say the nicer, softer side of me. He had a bit of an edge, but, uh, you know, he was sort of the, the one that liked to be the therapist of the group. You know, he was the only sane yeah. member of his family. Not that not that's not the case for me, but I'm certainly someone that uh, I like to, I think, I feel like I can be the voice of reason a lot. I do, of course, yeah. like everyone else, go off the handle occasionally. Uh, so that yeah. definitely scratched that part of me. And then, you know, with Doug on Lock and Key, he's a little more sarcastic and a little more jokey and a big film buff. And that's certainly a part of myself as well. So that's certainly um, easier in terms of getting in their skin. Like there's not a lot of prep work I have to do besides memorizing my lines and trying to come up with a fun spin on some of the stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe uh, people would tell me that that's an issue. I need to dig a little deeper, but... I just uh, I just relate to them more. Uh, and then there's I did this movie called We're Still Together. Uh, that's about a kid kind of who's been kicked out of his house, who's, you know, uh, very, very much bullied, who is very shy and an introvert wandering the streets for a night. And that yeah. I could relate to as well. But that I felt I had to like tap into a darker place. So um, I would try to, you know, go to set. That's actually pretty funny. I would listen to the Annie soundtrack. I don't know why, but I, I've, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to share that <laughs> little grain of truth. <laughs> well, just there you go. I'm an open book, uh, and uh, and you know, you get to that kind of a headspace so that when you get to set, this is kind of a weird thing too. You get to that dark place so that when you get to set, you can be more lively between takes because mm. you've already kind of gotten to that. Uh, dark place but i also like doing things different you know um i know i'm talking a lot right now but what what i also really enjoy playing is the kind of fast talking i call it the vince vaughn kind of yeah. fast talking ladies man even though that's so not me but i do enjoy when i get to pretend to be that because i feel like i can fall into doing it easily even though it's not a skill i naturally possess um mm. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, variety is the spice of life. And I definitely agree that I definitely think that that's the case for me as an actor. But there are definitely roles that are easier than other. That was a really long answer to to your question. But yeah, there's no right answers to these questions. And sometimes there's not really kind of any questions, Jesse, to be perfectly, <laughs> perfectly honest. Um, in terms of like the style of acting, would you prefer somebody to... Um, kind of ad lib you know to say okay this is this is a character this is a situation we're going to give you a couple of feeder lines and i just want you to kind of come out with what you expect or do you prefer things to be fairly kind of tightly kind of tightly scripted uh i think that i i, I like both those ways of working i guess i guess it depends on the project something like mm. uh you know lock and key you know when you've got people like meredith uh, avril and carlton cues writing it they're kind of the gold standard. So I, yeah. I, I do want to stick to the script as much as possible. I'm open to improvising, especially with those people, the squad, the Savini squad. They're just really mm. hard people to be around with. And we have a natural rapport on and offset. So I do think that there, there is some benefit to that, but the script is already so strong that you don't really mm. feel the need to do it. It's same thing with less than kind, but on like small kind of indie stuff, um, or they give you that freedom to really discover the character because there might not have been a rehearsal process or anything, like, or even just kind of really broad comedy. 
I think it's to the benefit of everyone involved to let the actor run free a little bit. And if it's not working, you can always fall back on the script. Uh, I did a, a movie in Vancouver called Rapture Palooza, which was a, a really kind of fun uh, movie that uh, didn't really do too well because it had a very similar plot to uh, This is the End, the great Seth Rogen, uh, Jay Baruchel. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it had yeah, a very yeah. similar concept and it actually had Craig Robinson in it as well. Um, but it was just too similar. And on that one, they were very, uh, very encouraging of improv. And I think some of the best moments of the film come from that. So, yeah, I think it depends on the project. Like, you know, something written by a, a great writer like Aaron Sorkin, you almost don't want to touch it. You, you know, it's just yeah, so yeah. good. Or even like a Quentin Tarantino. But then, you know, you get people like Judd Apatow that write a great script and then they encourage the actors to improvise and they get more gold. So it really just kind of depends on the on the script and the project. and you know what the vibe of the set is but i'm i'm open for both they're both really fun yeah no i just i was just i was watching um of all things i watched me uh we're the millers oh yeah um and and they and the, and the guy they like they've got this the kind of the um the circus kind of no sorry the the, the kind of the carnival guy <laughs> Who's like turns like kind of like the part-time boyfriend and they just have a scene at the end where they've got him just ad-libbing how he's reacting to one of the characters kind of telling, you know, kind of hitting him after she's punched him. And he just, it reminded me of very much like Ryan, like Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. He was just kind of feeding lines and he was just ad-libbing one thing after another. And Ryan Reynolds does this great thing where he's just about to get punched by Gina Carena. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you're going to leave me here with, you know, hey, you guys. And, you know, and, you know, less angry Rosie O'Donnell. And, and you know, you can just imagine he's just like fed the line again and again and again to get again it through. And, I just, yeah, I was just interested to see because I, I know depending on the kind of the the director, some of them might be strict and want you to do, some of them are famous for doing like, you know, 30 or 40 takes with oh, yeah. the same line just to try and get it the right way. And other times, I know of other ones that are just like, okay, go with it. Let's just film the same scene and just keep running, keep running. You just keep throwing lines at me and we'll just see kind of which ones that would that would kind of work. Um, yeah. For yourself, are there any any directors you would love to kind of work with? Oh, any God. one, you know, you get your big names out there, but are there ones that you've been seeing that are doing some, you know, fantastic work that you would love to kind of get involved with? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, lately, I mean, of course, I've you know, I've got a very similar list to a lot of people. I think with like Spielberg and mm. Scorsese and all those people. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, lately, the one that's probably Near the top of my list is uh, Greta Gerwig, who obviously did Lady Bird and, and Little Women. Yeah. Uh, I really love the way she writes, the way she directs, and the character work in those movies I really, really think is super cool. And she just seems like a, a really fun presence. And then another one, I don't, does she direct as well? Of course, uh, coming out of uh, the UK is, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like oh yeah ridiculous. Yeah. Like talent like that yes. is just, she's a freak of nature. Um, did so you did you watch did you watch Fleabag? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely, uh, loved brilliant. it, so good. And you know, I remember when uh, the first season sort of ended, uh, and she was like, "Oh, I'm never touching it again." I was like, "I was like, you know what? That's as much as I was bummed out because I love the character." I was like, "I was like, yeah. well, you know, it's if she says she's done, like, don't force her to write it." And then, so when the second season came out, part of me was like, "Oh boy, she went for the money. It's not going to be as good." And then I watched it. I was like, nope, shut me right up. It was fantastic. Everything about it was great. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just think she's unstoppable. So, yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Greta Gerwig are the ones that are sort of top of my list right now. I was like, there's things I keep discovering about um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge all the time. And it's like one of them was like she was the droid in Solo. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like, I only found that out later as well. But I was just like, oh, okay. And then watching back, it's like, well, that that makes all of a sudden an awful lot of sense. But it's just for that, it's like the... And I just go back and I, there's certain episodes I'll just watch of um, Fleabag season two. And there's just certain parts of it that absolutely, you just go, well, how did you go that and take that? It's like the whole looking at the camera and being oh, kind of self-autobiographical. So, so genius. Yeah. And then the priest turns priest turn around and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, what? I literally stood just up like, off of my couch and I was like, whoa, what just happened here? It was so good. It's like, like, yeah, It was breaking the fourth wall stuff. And it's just like, what are you doing every time you talk? That way you kind of disappear for a bit. And it's like, what is, what is kind of what is, she's like, he's like managing to break the fourth wall kind of with her. And I was just like, yeah, it was just kind of like, yeah, I would, I'd love to see what she does next. I think, um, I hope she maintains the independence and doesn't kind of get um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, pushed along a certain path. Because I know that there's probably sitting in her mailbox, there's no doubt about 57 different variations on you know, here's a here's a version of Fleabag that we would love you to to kind of 100%. write and, 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 and kind of direct. Um, what about yourself though? I mean, as time as time goes on, because you go you kind of go two ways with the acting. I think um, there's some people that just seem to be they call kind of like you know they're a continual the man and they keep turning up in kind of every you know regular movies, regular parts. You know, as time goes on, have you thought about going on the other side of the camera? I mean, have you thought about kind of doing a little bit of directing, a little bit of script writing yourself as time goes on? Yeah, I mean, I've I've made uh, little shorts uh, with my friends and roommates and stuff. Uh, writing really speaks to me. I, I enjoy that process a lot. Directing, I really like the idea of it. What intimidates me about directing more is the technical side. I'm um, I'm really kind of inept technically mm-hmm. so i just i would need a really good first ad working with actors i think i could do but just like excuse me plotting out a scene um it, just the idea that intimidates me but I've, I've written some stuff and you know i've always got stuff kind of fiddling around so it really does the whole process really intrigues me i just would need to learn more a little bit about the the technical side of things and of course you're in that situation that you kind of you need to keep kind of keep working to keep this kind of the steady income right kind of coming in so then you're kind of balancing the the spare time the free time that you have off with kind of preparing for the the next the next thing um what was it like kind of landing lock and key when you got the phone call to say right you're you're kind of going to be in you're going to be in as you know you're going to be in the character yeah um, um it was uh it was Pretty pretty cool how that all went down. So I'm not sure if uh, if everyone knows the the kind of tumultuous history Lock and Key had uh, getting to the the big screen, the small screen, however you'd uh, yeah rank it. Um, that there was uh, obviously it's these great graphic novels written by uh, Joe Hill and illustrated by uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, and um, they there was a Fox pilot many years ago, not many, like ten years ago, that never ended up uh, getting picked up. And then um, a couple years, or then a couple, two or three years ago, there was a Hulu pilot 
that was also shot in Toronto. And I actually read for that pilot for the role of Rufus, um, which ended up going to Kobe. And Kobe, thank God it went to Kobe because, I mean, he's just (laughs) way better than I would have been at that. He's just, he's amazing. And he should have his own show. I love Kobe. Um, And uh, yeah, so I didn't get it. And then about a year later, uh, I got another audition for Lock and Key for the pilot. And I was like, oh my God, like how long have they been shooting this thing? And then I kind of looked, I was like, oh, it's a kind of a, a new, a new pass at it. And uh, yeah, the character was, was Doug and I read the description and I was like, oh my God, I mean, this is me like a horror <laughs> movie fan check, you know, the kind of sarcastic, funny guy, yeah. maybe a little insecure. That's why he uses his humor. I was like, well, you know, I know what to do for this. So I put on my uh, Pennywise, the clown t-shirt that my sister had got me for Christmas. And, uh, the audition scenes were basically the first, the, the all the scenes with the Savini squad in episodes one and two. So, uh, meeting Kinsey mm-hmm. and watching the movie and then filming the splattering, all of that was in the sides. And, uh, you know, because they're big group scenes, I was like, what am I going to do? While I'm kind of just standing there. Like I've got to throw out a line. And then there's, you know, like, four or five other people talking and it's hard to stay interesting in an audition. So I went out and I bought like yeah, a, yeah. a small bag of goldfish crackers and I just kind of stood there and ate when, uh, when it was not. So <laughs> that was good. And then, yeah, uh, a week later I was sitting in my basement, uh, watching lost with my roommates who had never seen it. And I love Lost, yeah. Like it was my religion in high school, essentially. <laughs> and uh, my agent called me and she was like, listen, you know, they're really looking at you for this lock and key thing. Like, you know, get ready because this could be a pretty big thing. And I was like, oh, wow. And also, I'm quite a bit older than the character. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Doug's supposed to be, I think, around 17. I am uh, not around 17. Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, in my, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be 29 in a couple weeks. And uh, really? I know I've got a bit of, yeah, I know I've got a bit of a baby face. So I just kind of, I don't know why I, d- I did not think I knew I was right for it. I knew it was a lot like me, but it was a huge U.S. show. I was like, I, I just don't see this going my way in the end. So when my agent told me they're really looking at you, I said, well, I should find out more about this project. So I looked it up and I saw one mm. of the creators was Carlton Cuse, who was one of the main showrunners on Lost, which I was literally sitting and watching when I got this phone call. So I, th- right then, I was like, oh my God, this is super exciting. And then I, this is, yeah. yeah. A couple of days later, I, I booked the job and I was, I remember being really anxious to get on set for several reasons. One was that I couldn't make the rehearsal uh, for the Savini Squad stuff because I was shooting something else. And uh, yeah. so I was like, I'm just going to have to get to set and not be in the way. Uh, and then, yeah, working with Carlton. And then, of course, you know, I found out that Amelia Jones was cast, whose work I really liked, but also she's actually 17. And then yeah. Griffin Gluck <laughs> got cast, who I was also a really big fan of, who was 18. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired off this thing before I even get a line out because they're going to be like, why are these students hanging out with this loser teacher who's uh, also part of the squad who looks <laughs> like he's 45? So. All those things, I was really anxious, and I had no reason to be because they were all so amazing, and I'm really good friends with all of them now. But it was overwhelming, man. It was a dream come true. It was a pinch me moment when I got that phone call. Because, I mean, you've got the. There's going to be the second season, right? 
but with the current situation that is impacted kind of like across the board with you know you know everything from people coming to even actually being able to go to the cinema to be able to watch things to I'm assuming people being able to even stay within kind of like five feet of each other <laughs> you know you can imagine an, an intense scene so you're gonna intense you're gonna you know you're gonna look at this person and you're gonna tell them you know that it was you that took the money right. but you've got to be five meters apart so you don't catch coronavirus off yeah. of each other so it's yeah. just <laughs> intent shouting and ki- shouting kind of a shouting kind of a intensifies um but i mean that must be a tricky kind of set and in terms of that are you kind of on hold then i mean uh, do they i take it you sign a contract and you say okay well you're going to get paid x amount of money does that then do you just say well i've got to wait here in the fallow season until the cameras start rolling again, well i think that kind of it thing. sort of works that way more for uh the regulars like uh, the leads of the show you know um the, the lock family and people like patrice jones mm-hmm. and sort of like that you know i'm uh the, the Savini squad's a little more on the the peripheral. So, you know, we – it's a, a bit of a double-edged sword. We have more freedom. You know, I can potentially go and book another show, and I'm able to do that. Whereas, you know, I, and I don't want to speak to anybody's contracts. I don't know this is the case. I'm just talking – this is generally how it works. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're one of the leads, they, they sign you for a length of time, and if you book something else, you have to kind of go through them. They have the right of refusal. Uh, but since – you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. again, I'm I'm not one of the main main characters on the show. Uh, I I don't have to do that. And if I were to book something else, they would they they, they couldn't tell me I couldn't do it. But on the negative side is they could just go, oh, okay, forget it. We just won't bring you back then. So it, yeah, it kind of works yeah, both yeah. ways. But uh, in terms of you know coronavirus in the show and what sets are going to look like now, it's going to be really interesting. When I went uh, to the premiere in LA, there were rumors that if we were going to get pick, picked up, we didn't know at the time, that we would be going around right now. Uh, and uh, obviously, that's not the case. Um, so I, I, the last rumor I heard was maybe the fall. I think they're going to kind of see how it goes. And I am hearing about these different kind of uh, new restrictions that could happen on set. You know, only three people in a scene or you know, keeping five uh, meters apart or cutting intimate scenes or fight scenes and stuff like that. And I think that's got to depend from show to show. I think you can certainly do that with, uh, like, obviously there are shows where that's very possible. But a show like Lock and Key, I mean, our writers are brilliant and they can make it work, but I feel like it could really hurt the quality of the show in a lot of ways if you're putting a leash on it in any kind of way. So I can only speak for myself. And, you know, Mm. uh, I, I certainly, I'm not uh you know rich in any way but if i was given the choice i'd rather wait until we get the all clear to do the show how we want to do it than have to kind of do it under a microscope um and i say that knowing that you know i'm going to be living on the street if i don't work soon so uh yeah you know there there's that but I hope we can find a way around it i don't know if they're gonna you know really pick up testing and they can test everybody and we just all kind of stay together. I don't. I don't really know how it would work, but I would. I would hope that uh, that we could find a way to not hurt whatever creative direction the writers are going in, uh, and still proceed. But that might be too much to ask. And you know, uh, there's people much smarter than me who are going to make those decisions. Yeah, I think it's an it's it's kind of like an interesting time for 
everybody. I think it's one of these strange, um, it's one of these strange kind of situations that's affected everybody. Yeah. That it's kind of, you know, it's affected certain people in a lot more kind of terrible ways than, than a lot of people. And, you know, but it's kind of one of these things which I, if somebody said to me, it's like we were, I was joking with a group of friends to say, you know, um, <clears throat> if you got to wonder if, if Rise of Skywalker was meant to be now kind of like this year mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of the other year, would it, would it, would it have changed kind of fundamentally? Would it get in giving them more time? to kind of go back and play around with it, would they have te- potentially changed the film based on what was going on, what was said? And it was the same with like, end, you know, kind of like Endgame, all these big films. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden it's like, well, there's no, there's no point in you releasing it in the cinema because nobody's going to be able to see it. And it's like, well, we'll just sit in it for a while. Would have folk, they would have started tinkering with it. What I'm just saying is um, they wouldn't have killed off Ryle, uh, Kylo Ren. That's all I'm saying, Jesse. I just... Saying let, well, let ben, I, I, let I agree with you on one thing. It sounds you know. like it sounds like I mean, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like it wasn't your favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, and I can tell you, I just it was not my favorite. I, I just you know, um, I just I I kind of watched it again because it's on Disney Plus, and you know I'm a you know huge Disney shell, and give me Disney princesses, and Tangled is better than Frozen will ever be, and. Um, and I'm just putting that out there, but I just, I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's the first, I mean, Star Wars, the first ones, the first ones are, I didn't, I didn't enjoy them. I did enjoy some of them more than I enjoyed others, but I thought the last one, there was too many bits where I just went, why did you do that? Yeah. Why? I totally Why agree. did you do that? I'm in my cam place and then. I'm very I, controversial you know, I just, with you know, my Star Wars takes. Uh, I, well, I don't know if I'm controversial and maybe, maybe I'm not. Well, how, okay. How controversial? Okay. You say your most controversial thing about Star Wars, and then I'll say my most controversial thing about Star Wars, and then we'll see how controversial you are, okay, Mr. Camacho. I'm very scared. Okay, yeah. I don't think... Do uh, <laughs> uh, well, okay, maybe I'm not that controversial. I, the original trilogy, to me, is still the best, but I think, right. um, I think Last Jedi is not that far behind. I really enjoyed Last Jedi. That's what I would say my controversial take is. People... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you and say that um, if they had some courage, they would have run with yeah. it. Yeah, I'm gonna say something more controversial though. Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars films. Yeah, and I would I would say okay, it's better than Jedi. Mm. In fact, I would kind of put it. I'm very very close to kind of putting it eeksy peeksy with Empire. Um, okay, now this is even more controversial because I am a big Star Wars fan. And this is not right. a knock on Rogue One. This is not a knock. It's, it's, I right. like it, but it's not. I haven't finished the film. You're joking. I swear me. to God. Everyone, like, everyone's like, okay, oh, you're, you like Star Wars. All right, give me your ranking. And they're like, and they, they just assume I've seen every film because how can I say that I'm a fan? And having not, although, you know, it doesn't end there. I haven't seen all of Rebels, I haven't seen all of Clone Wars. I, I, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's I would say fine. the main movies, uh, but I really liked what I saw of Rogue One. It wasn't at all like I think it was on TV and I was watching it and I fell asleep. Like I think it was that. It was not a knock, and I just oh. never finished it. So I can't, in good judgment, rank it fairly. Um, but so that doesn't seem terrible to me having not finished it. It just seems like, a, oh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, but I know I, I think you should. I, I, I will. I, but I know my last Jedi take. I've I've had friends jokingly hang up on me. So really, yeah, people. I don't really think it was that. I don't think it was that. that. Movie. Mm. 
Yeah, I get it. I kind of get. I understand why they don't like it. And there's bits in it. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, the casino stuff. And then there's bits really, in it. It's like, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't you know, it's staff, But yeah. I liked it. Like people really got upset. I know we're getting a little off track here, but uh, people were, yeah, people were really bummed about you know Luke. And I don't know. I thought it was cool. I was like, no, you know, he's flawed. He's a human. Like he, I mean, he might. I don't know what the alien version of human is in Star Wars, but. You know, he, he, yes, okay, we left him in Return of the Jedi having been becoming a fully fla- uh, formed Jedi and he's made peace and everything. I like mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, he got knocked down in life. I, uh, but I understand it. Like when people explain why they hated it, I'm like, all your points are valid. They make sense. They are. But I just liked it. He made a mistake and now he's, he's living with regret. And then at the end, he embraces everything that he once was and dies being the legend he was kind of running away from. I just thought it was nice. I thought it was poetic. I was into it. But, you know, uh, uh, that's um, that's just me. If, okay, Mandalorian 3, okay, they're casting the, the season 3 mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Okay, see, season, season 2 is, is definitely, is, you know, is obviously happening. It's coming out in October. Mm-hmm. Season 3, they are going to, they're going out to cast. They've got the writers coming in. John Favreau's in, you know, um, Title Wikiti's in, you know, they're and they approach you mm-hmm. and they say, Jesse, I know you're a fan. Yeah. We love the stuff you've done in Lock and Key and, you know, everything else. We're going to create a character for you from the Star Wars universe and you can come in and play that character. What character are you going to be if you were in The Mandalorian, Jesse? That's tough. Hmm. No, it's not. You're only making it tough because the first answer is the correct answer that's in your head just now. I, I, I'm not sure. I have, like, 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 not a not an established character. If I could, like, a new character. Yeah, of course. Any any character at all. Wow, any character. Sorry, I was taking a sip of water there. Any character at all. <sighs> I guess. Do you have an answer in mind that you're kind of thinking for me? No, 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 no at all. No, no. I just want to. I think. I okay. See where you come. I with. would want to play. Um. I'm not sure they've had a character like this. I guess the closest would be maybe Rose in um, in Last Jedi. But kind of yeah. a fan within the universe, if that makes sense. Like, not unrealistically, but like, like yeah. a historian who acts out their knowledge almost like a, like a nerd would. You know, like someone who would meet yeah. the Mandalorian and go, like, oh my god, you're a bounty hunter. I love bounty hunters. Do you know Boba Fett? But like his knowledge isn't like a stupid fan knowledge. He's just a historian and who gets caught up yeah. in the adventure and has to sort of get off the couch and, you know, join in on the fray. And I think that's because that's sort of who I am in real life. Obviously, you know, I want to play a Jedi, but I just kind of know. I'm like, that's not really where I fit. I get that. And that's cool. Like, I'm, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm all right with that. So, yeah, I think that would be the best fit for me. Well, what, what would your answer be? Um, I would always like to be a kind of like um, a fallen Jedi, basically. Somebody who turned their back on everything after, you know, Order 66 kind of came in. Yeah, like the... the, the like the a kind of like... Knight or something. Like, 
Yeah, just something like that. Just somebody who decided who maybe decided to turn their back on everything because they could they kind of were semi kind of could see where the Sith were coming from and they could wasn't that sort no, of a they were a bit Are you talking like an Ahsoka kind of thing? Was that um, Yeah, kinda of, you know, a kinda of, yeah, a kind of thing I'm like that. I'm not overly you know. familiar with but, her, I, I'm I I I realize she walked away from being a Jedi, right? That's Yeah, she okay, did. that's yeah. Sort of what I, think I know that's about her. Thing, is that she ends up Yeah. Yeah. Just something like that, because I think there's still people coming in, and especially the fact that they've got, you know, of what happened at the last episode of the first season. I'm just like, yeah, if this if this is this sounds like it's really going to kick off, and it sounds like it's really good, and I think it's going to be really good for the kind of for the universe. Um, before we go, because I'm conscious of time, and I know I've taken up far too much oh, of your time, okay. keeping you under me. lock and key. Don't worry about me. Keep I got nothing going for the Survivor um, finale tonight, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was just worried I'm going to end up missing the Bachelorette. Um, <laughs> I watched the Bachelorette too. For, for it's so good, and you know, and it's you know, it's just the drama is. Just so, you, is, so is there good. a U, is there like a, a UK version, or do you watch the American version? No, you have to watch the American version because they tried the UK version of the Bachelor, and it was just terrible. Because you don't, it just doesn't. It just kind of not as crazy. It just kind of doesn't work. It's not as crazy, right? They're, mm, it just doesn't, you know, just, they just don't have Chris and you need Chris. You need Chris. You always need Chris Harrison. Um, say for people who have, um, they're thinking about kind of getting into the profession or they're thinking about kind of pushing forward. Is there any kind of wor- wise words of wisdom? with somebody who is kind of like doing this on a full-time basis that you would pass on? Yes, I do have a little bit. I, I, I It's kind of twofold because uh, like all my answers, I go on a bit of a rant, but uh, it's something that my parents told me. First of all, for people that are trying to get into it, to me, the most important thing is just get a camera or if one of your friends has a camera, try to get the best camera you can. It doesn't, you know, it's break the bank on it. Find someone who's got a decent camera and just film yourself doing your favorite scene from a couple of different movies. You know, do a comedy mm-hmm. one, do a drama one. Doesn't matter if it's original. You can write one if you want. Just, to, but to, uh, put your own spin on it and send that out to agencies and try to get an agent because that's just important. And uh, but also a note on that: be careful who you sign with because some agents will try to take you for a ride. So try to read the room. But mm-hmm. you know, a crappy agent is better than no agent. So for those people trying to get in, I would say that's the best thing you can do. Then if you're in it and you're, you've been auditioning for a long time and you feel discouraged, but it's what you definitely want to do, uh, this is great advice that my parents gave me, which is if you're doing, if, you, if you're confident in the auditions you've been doing and you've been getting good feedback, don't get discouraged if you haven't gotten the job. It's hard to say. It's, it's really hard to live by this, but keep your head down. Keep doing good work and eventually something mm. will give. It might take... It might take a month. It might take 15 years. It might take longer. It might, yeah. you know, you might pull a Orlando Bloom and book Lord of the Rings right out of theater school. But, you know, it, something will give. So that's what I would say. Keep your head down. Keep doing good work. Excellent. Brilliant. Um, if people have listened to Long Tonight and they want to keep an eye on you and where you exist on the internet webs. Oh, yeah. Where can they find you on the internet webs? Well, as I teased, I've got a lot of hot takes on Survivor and sometimes The Bachelor, Mm -hmm. Bachelorette. I I don't know if you watched the last (laughs) season, but I had a lot of hot takes on Barb, uh, which was 
We get like well, we're about. I think we're about because we we run. We're about three or four seasons. I think oh. we just had Hannah B. Oh, okay. Is currently you see so okay. Well then you then know you, we're a little bit behind. Uh, uh, no no no. I think I think I'm ahead of you. Oh, you're you're behind. Yeah, yeah you I, are. I you you're said. yeah you are. Yeah, you're you're well, you're I'll ahead. Tell you yeah, this. yeah, I prefer uh, the season I'm talking yeah. about is very much. I'm talking about the next season. So you're almost mm-hmm. with me. Okay, so I had hot takes on the finale of that season. Um, right. But so I won't spoil it then. Uh, and and mostly though, mostly hot takes on Survivor. Uh, I'm a big big Survivor buff, and I I moan and complain and all that <laughs> stuff. So uh, that's my Twitter it's at Jesse one one five one one five because one one five was my homeroom in high school, and I just have been too lazy to change it since. Uh, and uh, on Instagram, I'm under uh, Jesse J D Camacho because my full name is Jesse John David Camacho. Uh, Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm still kind of figuring out my Instagram identity, but uh, there's some fun behind the scenes of lock and key photos on there and stuff like that. Yeah, or get yourself to Netflix and look up lock there and key, you and you can <laughs> you can go, you can see, you can you can see all of the action. There. Exactly, that's the best thing. Absolutely, to do. check it out, the and there's no better time to do, to do it because nothing Absol- else. Well, on. yeah, I mean, if, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, just go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different worn-out places, worn-out faces, bright and early for the daily races. And uh, if you want to check our podcast, go to we'renotwizards.com. You're checking out already, so thank you very much. If you want to check out any reviews, written work, you can go to we'renotwizards.co.uk. And we're on YouTube and we're doing videos and we're trying to be intelligent and we're failing rapidly <laughs> if you like what you've listened to tonight though consider going to apple Podcasts and dropping us a rating or a review and tell other people about us because we like to spread like butter thank you very very much for coming on thank Jesse. you for having me uh, man and uh, i really 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 appreciate yeah i had it. a great time let's let's do it again and uh yeah yeah good good there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember there were many things <laughs> But we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jesse? I wish. But no. Duh, what? Oh, are we are we are okay. we wizards? I've got a Harry I'm no, bringing my just, Harry Potter no, collection just, right now. Just you just that but just can't. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I am, I'm looking at my just collection of wands. Wreck it. Don't <laughs> stop it. And the other thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from um the crushing disappointment <laughs> that is Jesse Camacho. Say goodbye, wizard boy. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a, it's a goodbye for me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, um, make something awful. And um, yeah, lock and key, check it yes. out. Um, fast forward past certain fast forward past certain bits though. You know which which I'm talking about. Until the next time though. Goodbye.
Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. 